And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Dr. Amy Tiemann, with regards to kid power and doing right by our kids. Uh, Dr. Tiemann, before we move on to uh, focusing on doing right by our kids, I just wanted to get a little bit more information about the differences between uh, kid power, teen power, and full power, because I know there's also things that are done with, with adults as well. Yes. Uh, yes, the full name of our organization is Kid Power, Teen Power, Full Power International, and that is because we do offer training for kids and then separate training for teens, and full power is training for adults. And we also work with people with all abilities and all sorts of different communities. And what's really cool is that the core skills are really the same for everybody, but we use uh, situations, practices, scenarios that are appropriate for the audience that we're So for kids, we might talk about, for a seven-year-old, we might say, you're in your front yard playing when someone you don't know comes by. We're going to coach you to not talk to them, stand up, go inside, check first with your grown-up. Whereas with a 13-year-old, we might say you're at the mall and someone is handing out free samples and you want to think first before you take something from someone you don't know. And then with teenagers, uh, older teenagers, we would talk about relationship safety and you know the issues that are relevant to each age group. Or for adults with developmental disabilities, for example, we'll do a lot of scenarios about uh, you know being on a trip together with your class, uh, being on the bus, what do you do if someone's bothering you. Um, but really, I love the way that the core skills can be applied to so many different ages and stages of life. Okay. Are there any more of the core skills that you wanted to go over? I know we went over a few before our first break, but I don't think I gave you an opportunity to share a few, uh, more of those core skills. Sure. Um, boundary setting is a huge area to talk about. Uh, recent, I did a three-day training with Kid Power while I was out in California. We spent a whole day on boundaries, and what's interesting is this can apply to kids and also to grown-ups in things like workplace setting. Um, so we can talk about, you know, setting a boundary is just setting a limit, telling someone when their behavior is, is bothering you. So whether it's uh, for kids, it can be adults who are, you know, want to tickle them too much or hug or kiss them to squeeze too tightly or all the way up to preventing you know, inappropriate, abusive touch. Um, we teach kids how to how to set a boundary, how to be persistent, uh, what to do if someone offers them a bribe. You know, we, we go through five, about five levels of intrusion for physical touch. Um, but that also applies to communication skills. We talk about uh, how to give respectful messages when if, when someone is doing something uh, that is bothering you. So say you were in a medical practice, you know, working in a doctor's office, and there was a doctor who is being abusive to the staff, you know, maybe in front of patients. We can coach the staff on how to approach the doctor and say, I really appreciate working with you. You're a wonderful doctor, and I need you to know that I've seen you. It's, it's really hurt my feelings when you have uh, been disrespectful and aggressive to the staff in front of patients, I, we need to ask you to please be aware of this and to treat us more respectfully. And we can coach people through any number of situations that come up uh, with boundary setting. 
I mean, the great thing about boundaries is when you learn how to use boundary setting techniques, you're actually strengthening the relationships in your life. You know, when you set boundaries with people who you know and love or people in your family or people who you work with on a regular basis, you want to do it skillfully so that you communicate your message and so that you maintain the good feelings between people as much as possible. That would have been excellent for Dr. House if you were ever a fan of that show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, that show would have uh, been over sooner if people had used some skills like that with him. Yes, I totally agree. But, you know, it's I have just have been thinking a lot about workplaces lately and that we really need to work on creating the cultures of respect in so many of our adult relationships, whether it's workplaces or sports teams. You know, this is not just an issue for kids. It's really an issue for all of us. And it's never too late to learn these skills. You know, we have classes for seniors, and we've noticed that with senior citizens, the, the hardest, the, kind of the biggest challenge is getting them to speak up to authority figures, which you can imagine if you have doctors in your life or people who are running um, a retirement community, you know, when you get older, there are a lot of people who are, once again, authority figures in your life. And mm. a lot of times you have to speak up to them, but that can be very, very difficult. That's where that embarrassment, inconvenience, and offense come up as obstacles. So, you know, we might be teaching 75-year-olds how to speak up um, and not worry about embarrassing somebody if they have a safety problem. That, that is so true, especially with so many... Uh, negative reports coming out of, uh, uh, at least in my area on Long Island, uh, out of uh, these adult homes, uh, these senior citizen homes, um, where they where they didn't speak up and were being treated inappropriately. And of course, it's, in today's world, there's always the camera that catches them or somebody's smartphone. Um, but you're you're so right. These these skills are so needed. And and I also think it's important for parents to understand that they can't take things for granted. Like I'm the seventh of eight children. My mother may have told the first six that you don't take candy from strangers, but I, but she never told me that. And I remember once when I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old, I actually took candy from a stranger. So she comes back to the car. She sees me eating the candy and she says, where'd you get that? Oh, this nice old man gave it to me. And then she just lost it. And I couldn't wrap my head around why she was so angry. Um, of course, I soon learned. And, 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 and as an adult, I certainly know why. But um, I think I think she may have taken it for granted that everything she has taught her older children, she also taught me. That is such an excellent point because I think some of a lot of what we're teaching is it's it's common sense to an adult, but we need to make sure we remember to teach it to our kids to practice it, you know, to practice it again and again. So, like if you're going out to, we, we talk about making a safety plan wherever you go and say, well, where do you, where's the place you go with your family and um, say it's, you know, Costco on Saturday morning. You can imagine how big a store Costco is and how busy it might be. And we take kids through a whole practice of, uh, you know, when you get, every time you go out with your family, you make a safety plan, say, okay, if we, if we get separated, uh, what's the safety plan? Okay, we're gonna go to cash register number one, wait for me there, and, and, you know, have the cashier call me over the loudspeaker. Um, you know, knowing that in advance is, is very helpful. Practicing it is very, helpful because, for example, talk about taking things for granted, a lot of young kids will think, okay, if I, if I needed help from a cashier and I went up to the line and there was a long line, most kids, young kids, will think I'll get in the back of the line and wait. And we teach them, nope, you have a safe, if you want to buy something, you go to the back of the line. But if you have a safety problem, you need to go to the front of the line and get the cashier's attention 
say, excuse me, I have a safety problem. We actually practice mm. that. And, you know, please call my mom. And, you know, what's your mom's name? Diane. Okay, Diane, come to Cash Register 1, meet your party. Um, you know, yes, kids need to be taught every little step of the way, including how to get an adult's attention in a persistent but respectful manner. So we'll practice with a busy cashier and, you know, how do you keep, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, go to the back of the line. No, 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 you have a safety problem. Um, you have to be persistent and keep saying, no, I, I have a safety problem. I'm lost. Oh, you're lost. I'm so sorry. Yeah, let me call your mom. Um, and, you know, getting lost or separated from your group is, is family is something that probably will happen at one point or another to everybody, right? I mean, oh, that's the worst thinking feeling when it happens, but that's a very real-life situation. So being prepared, talking about it in advance, you go somewhere really different, like you go to the state fair or Disney World or, you know, go to the beach, you're going to want to have a different set, you know, have a different discussion every time about, okay, now we're at the state fair, where are we going to meet? What do we do if we get lost? Um, And make sure your kids know your actual name, so not just mom and dad, but what (laughs) what are your actual names? And uh, if they can memorize a cell phone number, that's also extremely helpful because even if kids don't have a cell phone, there are a million adults who uh, would be able to call them. And, and it's amazing how we, we take things for granted. Like, I, I just had this experience a few weeks ago. I was at Six Flags uh, in New Jersey, which is a huge park. And uh, I was with a teenager who you would just assume every teenager has a phone, but this teenager's phone happened to have broke, uh, I guess, some weeks earlier, so did not have a phone. At the end of the day, we ended up getting separated, and I was mm-hmm. not able to simply, I said, you know, pick up the cell phone and call and say, "Hey, where are you?" And we didn't make a meeting place because we were together most of the day, so we never came up with that. Okay, we're going to meet here if we get separated. I just took it for granted that, oh, every teenager has a cell phone. We're not likely to get separated. If we do, I'll just call them because I've been to the park many a times with my nephews, and that's how we operated. We just communicated with text or cell phone. So. um it's just so important to remind ourselves, even as responsible adults who usually do right all the time, to almost like a self-check. Right. You know, did you know? Did we do this? Did we did we do that? So, um, you bring up some very very important points. But now let's once again shift gears. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, briefly, uh, about doing right by our kids. But can you give us a, a more detail as to how it developed and, and where it's headed? Yes, absolutely. So. I am very interested in adult leadership and also institutional leadership on child safety. And if you think about what are all the groups that we're involved in in our lives. I mean, I can teach kid power to my family and within the walls of our house and within our within my immediate family, I actually feel very safe. I have the capability of, of empowering my daughter to have all these great skills. But then as soon as we get out into a neighborhood, a sports team, a church, a school, you know, whether it's an elementary school or a college, um, if I'm picking a summer camp for her, if I'm, you know, picking a place she might be for a week on her own in the summer, you know, what are the questions that I as a parent need to be asking of all these organizations? What should I be expecting them to do to keep her safe? And, um, you know, how can we help parents make sh- put pressure on all these organizations to do the right thing? And also provide resources. You know, we're, we want to provide resources to leaders so that if a school principal realizes, you know what, I'm not really sure how to write a policy uh, to address bullying, we actually have resources 
for people at every level, whether you're running the organization, whether you're a teacher, a coach, or a parent. We want to help everybody um, be part of the solution because it's like a puzzle with many interlocking pieces. And, you know, we've just seen so many really difficult cases, you know, whether it's Penn State and Jerry Sandusky, you know, very powerful football coach who absolutely positive, just abused his power and molested kids over so many years and people knew about it and it was reported but it was never it was not addressed for about a decade um, mm. you know, how can we prevent that situation from from ever happening again okay uh, at this time dr teeman we're going to take one last short break uh, but stay tuned we'll be back with more right after this You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and at the conclusion of our discussion on kid power and doing right by our kids. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open, 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. We're taking your calls on TalkZone. Uh, Dr. Tiemann. Hi. Uh, how you doing? Um, are you familiar with the DASA legislation in New York, the Dignity for All Students Act? Um, it sounds familiar to some other acts I've heard about, but I'm not sure about New York specifically. Yeah, in New York, and I believe it was uh, 2012, um, made it a requirement that uh Teachers and schools not only receive training in Dignity for All Students Act, but also um, start to apply it in their lesson plans and in, and in how we address uh, students. And it pretty much speaks to what uh, you've already discussed with regards to bullying, um, student to student, staff to student. Uh, I do think the one area that they missed in the DASA legislation is also what you touched on is the fact that um, there are things going on in the workplace amongst adults um, where their dignity and, and, and safety is, is being threatened. So uh, that's the one piece of the act I think they, they dropped. But I didn't know if you, you were familiar with New York's, but um, also I didn't know if you were familiar with other states that have something similar in place. Well, I'd say that uh, right now the cutting edge uh, in laws pertaining to safety on, in educational institutions is Title IX, which you may have heard a lot about lately as a applying to colleges because the whole issue of sexual assault on college campuses um, has gone national. It's something I know a lot about because I was actually on the task force at the University of North Carolina that rewrote the student-on-student the policy on how to deal with with sexual assault between students for the university in response to Title IX. Um, And so Title IX is non-discrimination law, but it's it's saying in educational settings you have to provide an equal educational opportunity for everybody. So sexual assault, sexual discrimination, harassment, any gender-based harassment is actually illegal under federal law. And I think that the next step, we've all, I think a lot of us, again, have heard about the issue in universities, but this law also applies to K-12 through education. So um, I think that's the next frontier that we're going to see is is having Title IX uh, reaching down into K-12. 
Excellent, excellent. Um, why is a safety at all levels approach important? It, like I said, it's really safety at all levels is important because that is going to encompass not only our family, our friends, our neighbors, but all the organizations we're part of, making sure that schools are doing right by our kids, making sure that sports teams are having an uh, atmosphere of respect and, you know, what is the real goal of sports and what it, it's to develop team, uh, team feeling um, and camaraderie and develop character. So trying to get away from a winning at all cost mentality, which, you know, we've just seen a lot of coaches who use very abusive bullying techniques and seem to think that that's okay because it's in service of winning. Well, that's not really cutting it anymore in our culture, and we want to help coaches become much more positive influence in kids' lives. And realize you can you can teach kids, you can coach kids. I've been a teacher. I've been a classroom teacher. I've been a boys' lacrosse coach. I've played college lacrosse. I've played tennis. Um, you can teach people really, really well without screaming at them, without belittling them, without being homophobic or, you know, abusive in your language. So that's definitely another area that we want to to work on. And we've been working with uh, Positive Coaching Alliance in, in that area. They've joined on to International Child Protection Month with their specialty in, in coaching. I think that's excellent because a, a report came out recently stating that the main reason that children drop out of sports is because they're not having fun. And they found that why aren't they having fun? Because of the adults. And and that's not only the coaches, but the parents as well, putting too many demands on them and being focused too much on winning. And I thought that was very telling because the whole point of playing is to have fun. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, that's a good example where there's more than one level even in sports, right? I mean, if you have parents who are on the sidelines screaming and acting like it's the World Series and not their, you know, Little League game. You know, adults can blow it out of proportion. They can be very rude and abusive. And they can, it's very frustrating when the focus, you know, the focus is then on the adults, right? And that's not what it's supposed to be about. And also, if you think about the referees, umpires, uh, they're either volunteers or they're not getting paid a lot. I mean, no one is coming out to be abused by fans in the stand. And if you think about it, if you saw, I, I saw a great sign. There's there's some really good, you know, literal signs that people are posting to try to turn the tide on this. And there was a sign that said, you know, imagine if you're at your Little League game and you saw another a parent from another team cheering for your kid or you saw a coach cheering for something that your team did that was positive. You know, how would that make you feel? That would make you feel great. Well, you know, be that person for the other team. Just be, you know, show them that you're a good sport, that we're all here to have fun. And, yeah, it's about getting together, developing skills, having a good time. You know, no one on this field is probably going to become a professional baseball player. Yes, and, and I think I think a lot of uh, traveling teams and traveling clubs have given a false illusion that by being a part of this traveling group, you are therefore going to get a, a Division One scholarship or have a chance at the pros, and they don't share the real numbers where that's rare at best, <laughs> even just to get a scholarship, let alone to make it to the pros. Um, so it's just, I think ultimately it comes down to information, and I believe um, what, what you do through uh, Do Right by Our Kids and also uh, what Kid Power does is is educating people is giving them a lot of information so that they're less likely to be uh snookered or snickered i guess is a word into uh, believing some of the stuff that's being fed to them 
And, you know, in all my experiences, I've always seen that a respectful, positive approach is an extremely effective way of teaching. So I just reject the entire idea that being really super tough to the point of being abusive is ever a good way to teach someone anything. I don't, I don't think fear is a good motivator. Certainly shame and belittling, those are horrible, you know, opposite of motivating techniques. So I would challenge any, any sport that has a culture of coaching that way, it's, it's time to evolve because a positive approach, respectful approach is going to be just as effective and people will stick with it, you know. I mean, if you're having mm-hmm. fun, feel like it's developing you as a person, you're going to want to stick with it for a lot longer. And I do feel uh, positive that they're in a minority now. Those who still believe that, you know, uh, degrading someone and yelling and screaming is, is, is the best way to go. They're really, really in a minority. And even at the World Cup this year, they had a day that they celebrated um, anti-discrimination or um, a tolerance. I don't know exactly what they named it, but they had the captains from every team that weekend um, speaking in their home language um, against racism and against, you know, discrimination. So, um, and that's, that is the biggest level, World Cup. You know, it's not the biggest in the United States, but it's the biggest in the world. So I, I do see positives. I, I really do see it being more and more rare for those coaches to, uh, to be caught on camera to just being absurd. Yeah. And that's great to see something as big as the World Cup. That's setting a global example right there. So that's really, that's a lot of positivity radiating out of that. Absolutely. Okay, we have been speaking with Dr. Amy Tiemann, award-winning author and educator and senior program leader and the North Carolina Center co-director for Kid Power, Teen Power, Full Power International. Dr. Tiemann, where can listeners go to learn more about you and the programs you discussed? They can learn more at kidpower.org is the international organization's website. And then doingrightbyourkids.com will talk, uh, give a lot of resources on our safety at all levels model of child protection. Okay. And your your personal site is at amyteeman.com? It is. And also uh, mojomom.com will take you there. That might be the easiest one to remember, mojomom.com. Great. Dr. Teeman, thank you so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors. Thank <laughs> you.